Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Recap, a brand new weekly live podcast from The Escapists about all the latest and greatest in movies, TVs, and the eternal never-ending streaming wars. Uh, This is episode number one for August 23rd, 2022. My name is Marty Sleva, and I am delighted to be joined by Darren Mooney and Nick Calandra. Welcome, fellas. Morning. I'm proud of us. We got this. We got our pilot episode on time. Everything's great. There were zero hiccups on the technical side. <laughs> Absolutely no. We certainly didn't go through several different uh, 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 video call services to try to get this to work. But uh, you know, none, it of it was, none of it was our fault. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk about Game of Thrones, we need to have like a thirty million dollar scrap pilot. Really, that's what we need to aspire. <laughs> that is absolutely what we do. Yeah, and then uh, we have to cast Naomi Watts into the Long Night, and no one will ever see that. So <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, so yes, welcome uh, to the recap. This is our new uh, our new weekly series. It's going to be every Tuesday. It's going to be a live stream here on YouTube and available um, um, in the future on podcast services and everything. But uh, we're going to be talking about the biggest in in pop culture. So we kind of wanted to launch it now because this is such a, a ripe time for for sort of nerd culture TV shows with the premiere of House of the Dragon. Just a constant stream of Marvel shows. We have She Hulk running right now. Andor is about to start soon in the Star Wars universe. Of course, Rings of Power on Amazon. Which which I think is the most expensive TV show ever made, which is which is pretty wild. Uh, and then moving into the fall, we have we have huge fall movies coming out. We have Avatar. We have we have uh, 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 War of Wakanda or uh, uh, the new Black Panther Wakanda movie, yeah. Wakanda Forever. Yeah, War of Wakanda is the name of the Marvel's Avengers video game expansion, which let me tell you was not very good. So maybe maybe we shouldn't be talking about that. Why didn't they call it Wakanda? Uh, sounds like. Well, you sounds, know, hold on, uh, the chat saying Darren still sounds like he's on the wrong microphone. Oh, okay. You might just okay, get too well, far away from it. Okay, yeah. how's this? Is yeah, this better? For a condenser mic, you gotta be right up next to it. Yeah. Okay, well then <laughs> I will turn mic. up the gain. Having told me to turn down the gain, I'm gonna turn up the gain. Go for it. You guys missed. You guys missed out on a sick war conda joke from uh, from Darren. Uh, but yeah, but then, you know, we're not only going to talk about big tentpole stuff, but we're also going to talk about, you know, stuff we're really passionate about. Like in a few weeks, I want to talk about 3000 Years of Longing, the new movie from um, um, you know, the late, the, the incredible George Miller. Um, talk about. <laughs> yeah, I almost said late, but no, he's, he's very much dead. alive. <laughs> He needs to do his Furiosa movie, so he's very he's very much alive. Uh, we'll do like off the beat uh, sort of you know recommendations, like seasonal recommendations when we get to October for sort of horror movies off the beaten path that you guys should check out. Um, this will be your vehicle for weeb shit because this will be a rotating cast, so um, um, the 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 much anticipated weeb shit will be here. Um, you know, and then we have just cool plans for the future of sort of like you guys voting on stuff for us to talk about. Uh, us maybe doing almost like a movie or TV show book club where we say, hey, in three weeks we're gonna jam through this season of blank or watch this movie so everyone can come along and sort of join in the discussion so yeah a lot of a lot of cool things planned and as always uh like with all of our shows this show is funded by the support of your super chats and donations and memberships and just just your goodwill i know we already see amrao and lampy in there with donos thank you guys so much uh we'll read those out uh you know throughout the show and at the end of the show sort of like uh you know, like the rest of our shows go. So, um, oh, and yeah, I guess first we do have oh. we do have a crazy idea for this show. We do. We do. Are you going to mention it? Yes. Okay. So, Given the technical issues of this morning, I'm worried about this idea. <laughs> the idea is to have Darren play a video game of some sort and have him come onto the podcast to either uh, we'll we'll live stream it through the podcast, and we'll make Darren just explore the world of video games, cinematic video games. So, 
uh, we're thinking like The Last of Us or something like that before the HBO show next week. I was going to be really coy and be like, if only there was a prestige yeah, HBO series coming out soon <laughs> based on a hit video game that recently had its first footage shown. Mm. Um, I'm really excited about the idea of Darren playing The Last of Us. Darren, what's your I experience am, with video games? What's the last video uh, game you played? Smash Brothers, uh, probably, if we're being entirely honest. Which uh, one? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. It's, you know, like every, every Christmas that the Mooney family get together, we still have like the, the GameCube and the Wii and the, the, like, the Wii U and all this sort of stuff that go it. way back. And we still do like Mario Kart and we still do Smash Brothers and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I am I am... I am wading very carefully into this. We are assuming that there will be somebody over my shoulder to tell me, don't do that, Darren. Or when I keep walking into walls to just go, okay, fine, I'll, t I'll take the controls here, Darren. I'm assuming there will be some sort of safety net there to prevent maximum boredom. But yes, I am enchanted and terrified by the yeah, possibility. The safety net is the anger of the internet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody knows that people yelling at you online makes yeah. you more productive and dynamic, right? Yeah, that's, that's the same kind of safety net the Grayson family had, and it turned out fine for them. <laughs> I don't know. When people start talking shit about me playing a game, I start playing better. <laughs> you, you take you take that anger and, and you, you fuel, fuel it. it into, yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm going to um, run into that wall so hard. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Gotta be incredible. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's let's jump into it. Um, so this episode, we're going to focus uh, primarily on uh, House of the Dragon, the, the, new, the new, you know, Game of Thrones adjacent series on HBO that just premiered over the weekend. Um, we're going to be talking about this first episode. Um, how do we want to do this? Do we want to like have a, a non-spoiler discussion and then a spoiler discussion? I think um, that's fine. Yeah, we can give sort of broad top, a broad overview at the top of how we felt about it and then sort of go into more in-depth stuff. Um, but first off, I wanted to sort of get your guys' temperature on Game of Thrones currently and like whether, like I talk about a lot with Nick, but like Darren, have you read the books? Are you a fan of the books at all? Well, I've, obviously you watched the series, but um, you know, what's, yeah. what's sort of your take on it? My take on it is, um, ironically enough, I have read uh, It's a Fire and Blood because that's a completed work by George R. R. Martin. So yeah. it has a beginning, middle and end. And therefore I could consume it. Now, I read it years ago when it came out, which is what, like 20, 2018, 2017, yeah, that sounds 2018. About, yeah, sounds about right, which means, you know, I have like the full four chapters that are going to form the basis of this multi-year arc uh, yeah. that is taking place. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously I watched the show. I have not read any of the source novels. Um, I've mm. always been a bit wary when it comes to fantasy fiction. Um, again, Tolkien was very much kind of a, per, a moment for me as a teenager when it was like, if the book, if I was strong enough, I would have thrown that book against the wall. Yeah. Um, but it was just too damn heavy. It's, I was it's like, a big book. Too many it's, words. It's, a big, it's a big book. I mean, like you're, you're like, OK, well, when they get out of the Shire, something exciting is going to happen. It's like, OK, so I'm going to power through the Shire stuff. And then you get to Tom Bobadil. And it's yeah. like, OK. You're just trolling me, Tolkien, at this point. Yeah, he's a shithead um, in the video game too. <laughs> he is a shithead. We learned recently he's a, he's a, Tom Bombadil is a big shithead in the video game. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. So the the um, the source material that this new series is based off of. I saw someone posted a single paragraph from it, and that was pretty much what this episode was. It was just yeah. like a single paragraph of of, and and the source the book is kind of almost like uh, it's almost like a history book, right? It's kind of like it's it, less written as like, you know, exciting prose and more of like, well, this is, here's what's going on with the Targaryen family. 
Yeah, I think isn't like Martin calls it the Georomalian um, after Samalian. It works much yeah. better if you write it rather than say it. But like, yeah, he, it, it, it's, it's it sounded like you were slurring your speech. It sounded like you were like a, a I had some in sort there. of incident <laughs> happening. Um, but like the the premise of the book, which is absolutely fascinating, is is Martin kind of having a bit of fun. Where I believe it's th- and again, it's been a while, but it's three historians have written an account of the Tigarian dynasty, mm-hmm. and one historian is kind of picking through the various accounts. So over the course of the book, there are like competing accounts of particular events and it's like oh one historian says x one historian says y and the other historian says that never happened at all and like so you have like this kind of like weighing in and this unreliable narrator which again is is martin playing with the tropes of fantasy where it's like yeah but fantasy histories aren't like real histories in real histories you have these disagreements and it's kind of interesting that like we'll maybe talk a bit about the tv show as it goes on but suffice to say the tv show is not like a postmodern deconstruction of the notion of historical narrative it's a much more straightforward kind of like it's arguably much more straightforward than Game of Thrones was itself. So it's oh, kind of absolutely. fascinating to see the show, like to see that yeah. book transformed into something that is arguably much more straightforward, much more linear, much more conventionally television than when you're reading these four chapters in this history tome, basically. Yeah, I mean, the pilot, the pilot primarily just takes place in one city as opposed to several continents. And, um, <laughs> you know, it does. It, it did have the thing. I had to watch it a second time because it did have the problem where in the original Game of Thrones pilot, I was like, there are so many fucking dudes with beards yeah. and I don't know the difference between them. And now it's just like, there are so many people in these platinum blonde wigs. <laughs> like, I, I actually, have to figure out who's. Uh, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised at like just how much of the cast they had in that first episode. Yeah, because like the original I, f- I feel like the original pilot for Game of Thrones was a bit more condensed with the Starks yeah. and kind of everything. I guess there's a big cast there, but not like, no, it was not, a, not it, all the, the original pilot, houses, though. though. The original pilot was uh, I, I just finished my rewatch and it it went everywhere. Did it really? like it went to, it went to Danny's crew. It went everything that was going on with the Lannisters, everything that was going on with the Starks, the Baratheons, huh. um, a I lot mean, of characters. I Three guess, plots, right? I guess, For, again, this is sorry, this is getting very into the weeds, but it was like it was King's Landing, it was uh, Winterfell, Winterfell, and then it was also Pentos. So that's three yeah. locations, which is a lot. Well, but like when the show I, expands and it's like, let's spend ten minutes in Essos, so let's jump back yeah. to the wall. It was, let's not go to Essos. Well, it was. I think what it, what I was trying more to get at was like it was easier for me to follow like who's who because we were in different locations and it's so condensed uh-huh. in those opening episodes. Like, wait a sec, which house is who? Because, you know, you have to you have to recognize all the banners and stuff. And I was reading yeah. an interview about how in this this show, they're letting him do a lot more of the fantasy stuff where you have, you know, all the, the fancy gear and, and all the, you know, sig- sigils and everything that you didn't really see in the original Game of Thrones. Yeah. So Martin is uh, he, very hands on real quick. So give me what's OK. Uh, Martin is very hands on with this oh, yeah. show um yeah. and and i mean because what what, what else is he going to do is he going to finish his books he's not going to do that so <laughs> why finish books when you could uh when you could do this uh darren have you rewatched game of thrones since it uh since it ended in 2019 no i was actually going to ask you this because i know that you have and i'm kind of curious what just, like to just kind of splurge at all but my my rewatch of it has largely consisted of like occasionally checking in on on episodes like so i'll pitch mm-hmm. an idea to nick from my memory of the show and i'll go yeah. back and i'll get myself a reading list of the episodes that are related to that and i'll go back and yeah. watch those but i haven't done a beginning to end rewatch in large part because i don't have time when i sure. when i got COVID, uh, i chose to rewatch better call Saul instead i think that might have been the better call so, um, but hey, given uh, the ending, one, one of them ended really well and the yeah. other was Game of Thrones. So. Yeah. Uh, but what about you? So what was it like watching them all and then jumping straight from that into this? 
it 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 gave me a new appreciation for how well constructed, especially the first handful of seasons of Game of Thrones are um, and how much uh, small moments early on pay off later on, how how good the pace is, um, you know, how it's it's juggling this massive cast of characters, but it, it feels like it, it rarely wastes time. Um, and so I was I was really impressed by it. I, I it was interesting to be able to see how much more money got put into it season by season. Every season jump, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is, I can almost see the ratings climb and how it's becoming a part of our monoculture, uh, uh, you know, over the course of this month, as opposed to, you know, I'd watch it and then we'd have to wait nine months and then I'd watch it again and I'd sort of forget the smaller things. Um, and then, yeah, I do, I do think the the seventh and eighth season are, are largely... Um, bad with some really high points i think i think the uh spoils of war like the loot train episode where danny's dragon just destroys the the caravan i think is incredible and also um a knight of the seven kingdoms the episode in the last season right before the the massive battle i think is just wonderful or in the, in the eighth season. last script right yeah yeah and that's that sort of incredible moment with brienne where, where jamie knights her and everything and so yeah i don't think the last they're, they're not like Rise of Skywalker, which to me are have no redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like literally, like I will rewatch that movie and be like, I pulled nothing from this. I don't like anything <laughs> in this uh, except Babu Frick. I like Babu Frick. Um, so I guess it has one one redeeming quality. It's a weird little part to the eight episode miniseries focusing on Babu Frick on Disney Plus next fall. Book of Babu. I would love the book <laughs> of Babu. <laughs> don't, don't try to tempt me with a good time. Um, but I'm very glad I did this rewatch because um, if we want to get into the actual uh, the, the episode, The Heirs of the Dragon, uh, written by uh, showrunner Ryan Condal and directed by co-showrunner and uh, fame director of most of the big battle episodes in the back half of Game of Thrones, including uh, Hardhome and Battle of the Bastards, uh, Miguel Sapochnik. Uh, yeah, so Heirs of the Dragon. Uh, I'm glad I did my rewatch because the one thing that keep that kept lingering on as I was watching the show is it feels like the the ghosts of Game of Thrones are present here in like physical and and sort of metaphorical ways. But it feels like the show is haunted by Game of Thrones in a kind of a cool and interesting way that I'm really digging so far. Um, I guess. I, what, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on the thoughts on the pilot? Uh, I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I, you're, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Marty, where like I didn't I, I didn't hate like season seven or eight. Like I, I know they're like they're bad. Uh, I was mostly mad that it was just so rushed because like you just felt it when you were watching it just like it, you didn't have the buildup that everything else had like you know you get to the battle of the bastards the build up to that is what made that battle so special everything leading into that and like you know I, when even when like season seven and eight start when they announce season seven and eight they're like oh yeah it's going to be shorter I was like why <laughs> these are the most important episodes why is everything going to be rushed to the end. Um, so I kind of had like that in my head the whole time when I was watching it and that just bothered me. Um, but yeah, and rewatch, like, you know, you get to see some of the extra details and everything. And apparently, because I have the 4K discs, uh, apparently they're fixed. They fixed like the long night so that you can actually see what the fuck is going on. So and even uh, even on the uh, it's now streaming in 4K as well. And when I rewatched the long night, um, my problem with the episode wasn't not being able to see the stuff. I could see the stuff just fine. Um, I, I just thought the episode was kind of bad. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they send the horses yeah. to what? <laughs> um, anyway, so, so yeah, <laughs> like the, uh, the pilot for this was like, I immediately connected with the characters. Like I, I really liked the casting already. 
that was kind of like that's always like my, my big worry with prequel stuff is like is the is the cast gonna be good um, mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people like worried about matt smith but i mean like he is like dangerously evil feeling and i, I love it <laughs> yeah he's having he's he's, he's uh having a good time. he's he's atoning for his morbius <laughs> i didn't even know he's in morbius so i had nothing hey, to go that guy morbius oh, there, there are morbius. a lot of problems with morbius uh <laughs> matt smith's performance is not necessarily one of them matt smith <laughs> he understood arguably, the movie he was in yeah that's it he he got the assignment like you've yeah. seen that video where he like just strips off and dances and like does a weird sexy american psycho thing going <laughs> on like it's like if morbius were like an hour and 40 of that like five stars yeah, it it is not an hour and forty of that, so it's yeah. not five stars. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like the you know the production values are great. Uh, music was fantastic. I it's it set up a lot of like intri- intriguing like political threads that are already gonna happen, and so I, mm-hmm. and that's where I think Game of Thrones is always at its best when you're getting into like the weeds of the politics of everything. Yeah, uh, people in rooms talking. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it's actually before we did the podcast i was interested to see like what's the wider reaction to it and i think like subreddits on reddit for specific shows and all that is a good place to kind of get the feel and everybody on the the game of thrones subreddit was very high on the show so you know uh Darren, you, you know i retweeted your thing about you know the internet isn't real life but it, it's a good it's a good indicator of like how people are generally feeling about a pilot or whatever um and so like this is it seems like this is going over well with a lot of people uh-huh. I mean, it's the most watched HBO pilot ever, um, that's and that's within 48 yeah. hours. That's before you get into the whole, like, you know, sort of week-long, 10-day window kind of thing. Yeah, they said on. 10 like, million people, which is wild. In this day and age, is insane. I know it's like yeah. I know it's technically like a third of the people who watched Home Improvement. Sure. Um, so, like, <laughs> like, in the context of, like, 2022, like, yeah. that's, you know, that's Super Bowl numbers, yeah, uh, which yeah. is insane. And like, that's in, 40, it, what, 24 hours, 48 hours, yeah. whatever it was? Yeah, yeah it hasn't even been 48 hours, yeah. Like that's that's an incredible reaction to it. And again, I, I like just colloquially, the internet isn't real life, but real life isn't statistics either. I've had people like texting me saying, "Can I watch this?" Having never watched Game of Thrones, which is fascinating <laughs> to me because it proves there are people who have not yet watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, but, like, that's that kind of shocking. Show might also somehow be a breakout from Game of Thrones. I mean, in a what way. was your answer to that? What was your answer <laughs> to that question when someone asked, "Can I watch this without Game of Thrones?" Uh, just assume whenever Paddy Constantine talks about having a dream, he's talking, he's making some ironic statement about a show you haven't watched. Other than that, you're yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so the Song of Ice and Fire, is that a real song? What's going on there? Yeah, what's his deal? It seems like it's pretty important. The episode's really hinging on it a great deal. Um, why is, why does he keep his hand on this dagger? Is this dagger going to be important at all? Yeah, you know, maybe pays off in like 177 years or so. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darren, what did, you, what, did, what did you think of the pilot? I liked it a lot. Um, I, again, to get back to the whole complicated Game of Thrones feeling situation thing, uh, I will readily accept the final two seasons of Game of Thrones are a mess. I will also counter and raise that by suggesting it is fundamentally impossible to end Game of Thrones. The fact that Martin cannot do it working with an unlimited schedule, an unlimited budget, uh, the capacity to extend the narrative as much as he sees fit, he still can't end it properly. Uh, and he, he already sent it. the show off like the Dothraki were sent out in the long in, yeah. in the battle to just immediately get snuffed out. And yeah. he's like, well, I still haven't learned anything with, of what to do. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is kind of amazing. So um, I, my, I'm generally sympathetic to the seventh and eighth season or certainly more than the Internet kind of tends to be in its very vitriolic yeah. way. I think there are very serious problems with it. I think it is obviously very rushed. I think it is obviously very cartoonish. It is drawn in crayon rather than ink in many yeah. spaces. 
I like some of its big ideas. I think like the bells uh, is like one of the boldest pieces of television I have ever seen. I remember like because I live in Ireland, I'm not staying up until 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. to watch Game of Thrones live. Mm, I remember waking up the morning. I I know I'm not a real fan. (laughs) Hashtag not a real fan. But I remember waking up the morning after the bells and just looking at my Twitter and looking at my phone and being like, I know exactly what the show just did. Yeah. Um, just by the kind of like the sense of like eruption that kind of happened out of it. Um, and like that ties into what you said about House of the Dragon, which is like it is a show that feels haunted by Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. Uh, it opens with three very direct callbacks to Game of Thrones. You have the sequence where, and again, apologies for mangling the names, where Rhaenys, who's played by Eve Best, is mm-hmm. told that she will never be queen because a woman will never sit on the Iron Throne. Gee, I wonder what that where could be. Where have we heard be that before? Yeah. yeah, where have we heard that concept before? Then you cut to a title card that tells you it is 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen. Not before the long, no, sorry, not before, you know, the Night King, not before yeah. Jon Snow, before Daenerys. And, then yeah, you and that paragraph then like the words disappear except for the the years and Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, which is again like the show is calling its shot and then you cut from that to a sequence that is very directly evocative of the bells, a dragon flying over King's Landing as if to reinforce the parallel and to say okay, this is where we're picking up with. This is kind of like the conversation that we're having and I find it kind of interesting that the show is doing that. I also think that what's I find interesting about the show is that it's it's very different structurally than Game of Thrones for reasons you guys already mentioned, where Game of Thrones is this big, expansive thing that is constantly branching outwards, where it's like characters meet other characters, and then all of a sudden you've got two subplots where you're following two characters in different locations. Then those characters meet two more characters, and then you're in four locations. And those four characters meet four more characters, and then you're in eight locations, all this sort of stuff. Um, whereas this feels much tighter, much more focused. Um, it also feels much more arguably much more conventional like television it feels like something like the crown to cite something mm-hmm. containing matt smith uh in it that absolutely no, feels like the crown yeah. yeah it's like i claudius for example as well to put another kind of like people in costume scheming uh, and stabbing etc um and it's kind of interesting that we know already that obviously um this is going to take place over decades um i believe there's somewhere in the range of about 20 years the show needs to cover to hit it's like to hit to hit the event that like the entire premise of the show is built around the show has to advance 20 years forward in time yeah and, and in the trailers and in the, all the promotion they've already shown that two actresses play rainira and allison like yeah. we have their younger act- actors in this episode and then new actors are going to play them yeah. at some point because there's like the crown a time jump we haven't seen the lead actor of this show. Like when you go to HBO Max, it's, I believe, is it Emma Darcy? Yeah, um, who Emma is Darcy. Like the, the face who appears on the title card. Yeah. And we haven't seen them yet. And then you have like um, Olivia Cook, who is arguably as big an actor as Matt Smith. She hasn't shown up in the show yet. Mm-hmm. So you know that there's this big kind of time jump coming, which is interesting because it feels like it feels like it's kind of. People looked at Game of Thrones, like it feels like the production team looked at Game of Thrones, the issues with Game of Thrones, and particularly the difficulty ending Game of Thrones, which was a result of that branching and the need to bring all the branches together satisfactorily and kind of said, well, what if we did that again? But instead of doing this weird model where it's a constantly fracturing narrative with array hundreds and hundreds of characters, we instead make it like it's a TV show like Dynasty or Dallas with dragons in it. So we keep a tight focus on this core cast. Uh, We will follow them wherever they go, but we're not going to stay there. Uh, And we're going to focus on this one event and we're going to jump forward in time as much as we need to in order to allow us to massage the plot. We're not going to get into the weeds too much. Which is kind Absolutely. of interesting because it, it does feel, as you said, the ghosts of Game of Thrones and not just in the sense of like Daenerys and the internet reaction to her, but mm-hmm. also in the sense of 
well, we, we tried ending this before and it was difficult. What can we do to make the landing of this baby a bit easier this time around? Yeah. And not only like this pilot had to sort of reestablish a baseline for HBO for this world because <laughs> they have so many grand plans like this is their mega franchise. This is their thing. You know, we have that rumored, unconfirmed Jon Snow sequel series, uh, supposedly a show about the Sand Snake who we meet in this episode. Uh, 10,000 Ships is supposedly in development. The Tale of Duncan Egg, uh, you know, all sorts of there was that Naomi Watts pilot that was that was uh, filmed and then locked forever in a vault, never to see the light of day. Um, so I feel like they, they kind of had to like reset the board after the backlash of of thrones and three years later be like okay let's just ease everybody back into this and i thought this pilot did a really good job of that i mean i think it it looked really good it sounds really good having ramin Jawani back like incredible composer and and having sort of weaving in notes of the game of thrones score with the original pieces i think works really well um that's, you know that's we're what caught- i really like about it is not you know with all the mega franchises are constantly like callback 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 nostalgia nostalgia and this is like just hints of it it's like yeah in this you're in this universe world whatever you want to call it but it's not like we're not tying everything back to game of thrones to make you like oh you remember how good that was it's no look how good work this is gonna be yeah yeah there's no returning cast member like obviously it's at 172 years before but there is no returning cast member which seems insane launching a spin-off today like it seems like you would have like i don't know danny in a flash forward just reading her family history and that would be your jumping off point or the first show they would do would be robert's rebellion and be like okay it'll be the characters you know just younger Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, I thought the 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 again before we go into spoilers. I, th- I thought the episode yeah looked great. It sounded great. Uh, I definitely picked up on a lot of the intrigue after the second viewing. I really appreciated the uh, uh, the sort of the the I, I more understood not only the family tree but like who everyone is and who hates who at the at the small council table and uh, sort of getting to those moments where it's like, Oh, is this person lying about what actually happened? Like it, uh, the show does an interesting job with, with not only point of view, but, uh, making us question like kind of what we're seeing and motivations. Um, and then obviously yeah, a big, a big turn in the back half of the episode. And then I, I kind of loved where it, where it left off. I'm, I'm, you know, really excited that this kind of feels like a, a little bit like succession. I mean, it's literally about succession, but it feels like the show succession, which I'm excited for. Yeah, the show is very conscious about that. I may have seen some more episodes and there are some very overt references to Succession, which we'll get to. Brian Cox? No, no. They can't afford Brian Cox, darling. Do you not remember that story? Like Brian Cox talks about he was supposed to play like the Septon that that is at the Hound meets and they hired Ian McShane instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. They couldn't. Ian McShane, he'll act for anything. I have standards, darling. Yeah. Uh, Where it's like, like, I believe that was the paragraph in like Brian Cox's wonderful memoir, which is well worth reading, where it's just like he dishes on all these other actors. And like his big complaint about Ian McShane is that he's too cheap and he's keeping Brian Cox from his sweet, sweet Game of Thrones money incredible the thing i remember most about ian mcshane where he spoiled the fact that he was going to be in the show before the episode aired and people got mad and he said what do you care the show's just tits and dragons (laughs) and i'm like this is great and now Um, that's like the sixth hbo spinoff um yeah yeah exactly hobbits and dragons that's the big thing now (laughs) um so you mentioned um you've seen a handful of episodes from this season already obviously we're not going to spoil anything going forward are you able to give you're not able to give like a broad impression of 
what you've seen I mean, Argoed, right? Um, no, I've yeah, seen I mean, people give broad impressions of like the first six I mean, episodes. Yeah, I could, I could probably in the in the context of calling it a season review in the same way that like the New York Times or whatever have done. I yeah. quite like it. I think it's, I think it's a very consistent <laughs> show. Like, which is like, so I feel like if you liked the first episode, you will continue to like the next five episodes. Okay, good. It, that's. I that's don't feel I like there's a moment that arrives where it's going to yank the audience's expectations out from under them, which is maybe something to talk about when we get into the spoilers. But it, it feels like a show that wants you to feel safe and comfortable. As mm-hmm. you said, this is the franchise core cornerstone going forward this is the one that's designed to get viewers to go okay well game of thrones that could be a star wars or a star trek this is like yeah. i want to it's a mood piece it's a it's a lighting of the candles turning on the smooth jazz mm-hmm. pouring a glass of wine getting you to go well look you're into it aren't you yeah, um yeah. so it's 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 never gonna like it it's it doesn't and again, maybe this is something to talk about spoilers but it doesn't quite have the viciousness the kind of game of thrones did we're like Whatever about Game of Thrones and whatever about how it ended, when you were watching it, there was always this weird antagonistic relationship where Game of Thrones would like punish you for wanting what you wanted. Where Game of Thrones would like look at you as an audience member and go, is this what you want? Is this what you want? And you go, no, no, stop, please. Yeah. Um, House of the Dragon within the first six episodes is a bit more like, no, this is what you want, right? Uh, it's also a finished original. story. Like, yes. I also, yeah, that's here's the, a pro that's tip to everyone. <laughs> here's a pro tip to everyone. Don't Google the name of any character on this show because I did that. And all of a sudden, the first sentence was like, I was like, well, I didn't want to know that. I just <laughs> wanted to know how to spell their name. <laughs> so a uh, pro tip, do not Google anyone's name or else you will find things about them that you didn't want to know. Well, the counterpoint to that is that like Game of Thrones was able to do that for the first four or five years. Like the Red Wedding true. was a really well kept secret among Game of Thrones fans, which yeah. was really nice. Yeah, I really I, liked that the people who read the book were like, "We're not going to ruin this for you." Yeah. Right? So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even start watching Game of Thrones until I think season four or season. Okay, three. so after that, yeah, and I, yeah, never had Red Wedding spoiled for me. So I just remember being in my bedroom watching that, and then like I literally sat there like. What do we do now? <laughs> my mom, my, yeah. like, my parents knocked on the door, and I was, I was like, just, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Can't go to school tomorrow. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's dig into spoilers for this first episode. Again, first episode only. We won't be spoiling anything yeah. moving forward. Um, everything, anything like that. So if you haven't seen the first episode and you care about spoilers, uh, 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 tune out now, and we'll see you next time. But uh, yeah, I guess going into spoilers. Um, the the I think the the main sort of spoilerly thing in this episode that that my mind keeps going back to that Darren when you said the show was vicious I was like uh, I don't know I think the the pregnancy the birth baby scene, out of a womb <laughs> yeah and like I, the the sort of forcing uh, uh, Petty Constantine's character to choose between a possible son and heir and his wife who he seemed to genuinely love that was fucking brutal <laughs> jesus and, and the moment where he says i love you right before he's like okay now do yeah it. Um, i literally like, cut her open yeah, yeah yeah which is horrifying and again like one of the things i really like about it is the way in which like it juxtaposes that with the tourney which is a really mm-hmm. oh, great yeah. bit of like editing just in terms yeah. of it's like okay so this is brutality which is again what, what game of thrones is you mentioned the red wedding the beauty of the red wedding is the juxtaposition of like well here's this ceremony where we're all gathered together and it's meant to be something beautiful and wondrous and oh no there's murder and blood and violence because everything is murder and blood and violence well, and here it's like okay 
She literally yeah. said that pregnancy or uh, giving birth is like the woman's war or whatever. Yeah, battlefield yeah. of the womb. Battlefield battlefield of the womb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Our our, our bedchambers are our battlefields or something. Yeah. Like yeah, like and again, like it's a very way of reinforcing that theme. It's a very clever way of getting that that kind of point across. When I when I say I don't think it's quite as vicious, I don't mean in terms of spectacle, and I don't mean mm-hmm. in terms of violence. Obviously, it's competing with Game of Thrones and all those. I just mean that. And again, my, my gut feeling is I wonder, like, does this show, will this show do something with Rhaenyra, for example, that it did with Danny, what Game of Thrones did with Danny? Sure. Like, is the, will the show, like, get you to root for Rhaenyra and then at the end pull the carpet out from under you and go, well, you were actually rooting for a monster all along? Yeah, and, like, yeah. The, the pro- provocation of the audience that goes with that. That's kind of what I was kind of alluding to. But yeah, the, the, the birth scene is, 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 I'm cautious to describe it as stunning, um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a spectacle and a piece of showcase that really does say, okay, we're doing, we're in business here. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And I feel like it treated as, as, um, you know, the graphic as it was, I feel like it treated it with the amount of respect it needed in terms of like how brutal it was. Like they didn't, they didn't kind of gloss over it in like a Hollywood standard. They were like showing how like genuinely awful this is. And then to have the moment later at the funeral pyre and to see the two bodies there, is like devastating you're like oh my god how is this character possibly going to go forward yeah, like I this was, is i was surprised at like how much emotional investment i already had in the characters yeah. by that moment mm-hmm. yeah because like i i just you know game of, the start of game of thrones i didn't feel like i really had that right away there's some shocking scenes you know the pushing the kid out the window and everything right away yeah um just it was like oh, i don't really know what's going on yet and in this i was like and maybe it's just because you know you've already watched game of thrones and it's like oh man like big deal but uh yeah it was just like the uh the scene not long after where uh, the uh, i forget what's the king's name uh, uh Viserys. Viserys. Viserys, yeah. uh when he's in his hall and they're they're at the table going over all this stuff and they're trying to get into the politics of his heir right after that happened and he finally immediately breaks, following it yeah and i'm like yeah like <laughs> all right i'm in i'm in yeah because it, it was also we we didn't see a lot of good husbands on game of thrones (laughs) usually if you were a good husband you died pretty quickly yeah Yeah. Yeah. um and so like you saw in the scene like when he visited his wife when she was taking a bath and everything like he genuinely loved his wife he was just so kind of lost in the sauce of needing a male heir that um you know and again showing sort of the 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 politics of the time or of the fantasy world where um the choice wasn't hers of yeah. which of the two of them to save the choice was his which um it's it's interesting again like you said playing on uh sort of familiar notes of game of thrones proper and it even feels like some of the characters we've met so far are um Direct analogs and some uh, yeah or even amalgams like with uh with uh, uh rainira she seems like part aria part danny and then the mass smith character feels like part jamie uh like part Bolton part like you know like a yeah. little bit of like I'm, I'm not sure like who and it feels like everyone's painted in a a bit shade like a, more of a shade of gray yeah well I mean where, Viserys is very much that because like the whole episode was like is he is he just a power hungry you know I need an heir or does he actually care about his family does he care about Rene? yeah you know it's like and then you know when he finally breaks at that scene you see like okay he really did care about his family in a way yeah. that you weren't expecting, you know, just from the politics of Game of Thrones and everything. It's like, so I, yeah. I like that there's already like, 
everybody and you, you said it like everybody's kind of a morbid shade of gray but there's already like a lot of complex character motivations going on where mm-hmm. uh his brother wants to serve him but also vie for power and then mm-hmm. when he's actually thrown out he's kind of surprised by it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i thought the uh, i guess going into the matt smith character i thought um uh, damon targaryen damon, um yep yeah, really, it's just names. like <laughs> I Matt Smith. All awful names. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah, I literally have a it's list of them the first right episode, here. So there's too hard to remember them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, Dar- uh, Damon. Uh, I think is a fascinating, a uh, uh, fascinating character, especially as you know. I, again, the, I'm getting the Jamie vibe from him, where I think they want us to hate him, and I think he's going to be a character we're going to end up liking. Mm-hmm. Um, because at least from the trailers, it clearly shows that there's like sort of like a splintering faction and he's at the head of one of them. Right. I guess, Derek, I, it's a, I'm putting you in a tough spot because you probably no, know. No, no, I, 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 I cannot answer that question. No, no. Well, I guess from the pilot, what from the pilot, what do you think of Damon? Oh, no, no. I mean, like he's, he's a Matt Smith character. Um, and I think like and again, very much a very archetypal Matt Smith character. He's Philip from The Crown. He's also, you know, Charlie, uh, Charlie Manson from Charlie Says and all yeah. that sort of stuff. He's an archetype that like Smith has gotten very good at playing, which is this kind of like weird, frustrated man boy who's also mm-hmm. kind of sexy, but also kind of dangerous. Uh, which I think Smith is really good at, and I think that's a really nice zone for him to be playing in. And I think he he knocks it out of the park, and I think the episode works really well. As you said, that kind of tension you have between the two. And while I said, like, this is a much more straightforward uh, sort of narrative than Game of Thrones, a much more linear, much more conventionally television kind of story, you alluded to it earlier, but one of the things I do really like is the ambiguity over, like, Damon's exile, where, like, you see him give the toast at the brothel, you see him start to give the toast at the brothel, and then you have, like, Otto Hightower, who's the guy who's played by Risa Fans, who feels yeah. very much Tywin Lannister-esque. But yeah. he's the guy who says, oh, by the way, he toasted the king for a day. But you don't see the words come out of Matt Smith's mouth, as I recall. You see him yeah. begin to toast and raise his glass and talk about his, maybe his, his kind of dead you know, nephew or whatever. But you don't see the words come out. So there's this ambiguity about whether or not he said it, whether or not you think that he said it, whether or not like Hightower is just making it up to capitalize on Viserys' grief to get rid of a potential obstacle and potentially like get rid of a potential like, you know, heir to the throne who's massively dangerous and would obviously hurt his own interests while he's also maneuvering his daughter into Damon. uh, Oh my God, that thing. I was like, Oh, I thought I I was like, okay, I don't, this is going to be like a good, he's going to be a good dude. He's going to be like Ned Stark, a great hand. And then when he's like telling his daughter, like, Oh yeah, you're, you're 14, go console the King. I'm like, no, no, what have you done? (laughs) Reese Evans. Like, like, it's like, when is like Reese Evans ever like exuded decent, like decent character vibes. When you cast Reese Evans in a movie, you're never looking for like the Robert Redford type to be fair. Hey, his Kurt Connors. <laughs> what about Spider Man? <laughs> turned into a lizard. <laughs> a, liter- a literal lizard man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I th- I thought that was brutal, and I like that Damon doesn't. Um, he doesn't deny that he, he said it, it, but he also seems like the kind of guy who would be like, fuck you. I don't need to deny this. Like, <laughs> yeah. why do you even think that? That's, this. That's, that's your problem that you think that I said that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think he, he thought he was sort of untouchable. Um, yeah. you know, because like as the, the, the sort of the leader of the, the gold coats, he, he was, which how many of those people that they chopped the hands off and penises off? Do you think like one of them had to be innocent, right? Like they had to. I mean, how do you appeal your dick getting cut off? Like, what's the appeal process there? It's like, your, your honor, my, my client, new evidence has come to light. And it's like, OK, we'll get the needle and thread, boys. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I guess. I don't know what you do afterwards. Yeah. Get the, get the gorilla, but, get the gorilla glue. Get the gorilla. <laughs> I just kind of hope for the best. I mean, like, yeah. and again, that, that sequence is interesting because, again, you mentioned the ghosts of Game of Thrones, right? And one of the big criticisms mm-hmm. that was always lobbed at Game of Thrones was its, you know, sexual violence, the way that it treated its female characters, yeah. the way in which, like, it used sexual assault and things like that. And it feels very much like a statement of purpose or the spin-off series, which again is very much engaged, as you said, with the ghosts of it, that the first act of sexual violence it depicts on screen is the nailing of a penis and the sawing of a penis. Yeah, um, yeah. Where it's like, okay, this we've, we've listened to the criticisms and we said maybe some of them are valid and we're willing to consider them, and we're going to fold that into how we approach the storytelling, which I thought was very interesting uh, and very pointed. Again, as you say... It's interesting to watch this in the context of knowing Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones being a cultural icon. And even like yeah. in this first episode, it's like, yeah, we're, we're wrestling with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still, it still feels like grounded in that. Like, yeah, maybe not like super gratuitous about it, but it's still grounded in that world. And like, there's yeah. still the hierarchy of people in that world. So I'm glad that they're not like changing it to fit, you know, with the times they're staying true to here's what George R. R. did. And, and this is what yeah. we want to show. Because I feel like a lot of shows water themselves down to fit with the current cultural view on these things rather than building a real grounded, believable world. Yeah, I I, uh, I completely agree with you there. Um, I thought the show also had to do some heavy lifting in showing us what the Targaryens were actually like. Because in Game of Thrones, the only Targaryens we know are Danny, her her brother who gets his head melted by gold <laughs> after like eight episodes. Uh, Aemon Targaryen, who's yep. who, uh, you know, was was uh, old um, dude at the Night's Watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was and, Targaryen until like the second watch of the show. Like, yeah, exactly. And then uh, John, who's like, oops, I'm a tiger, a Targaryen. <laughs> which we yes, I got to do incest now. Yeah, um, exactly. My pants. Um, which let me say. I feel like there's gonna be some incest going on in this show. I didn't like the way Matt Smith was putting that necklace around his niece's neck. The moment he literally collars his necklace, uh, sorry, his niece, yeah? Like, puts a little collar on her. Yeah, no. Matt Smith, what are we doing here? I don't don't like this. I don't like this one bit, Matt. Um, Morbid time. But it's morbid time. Uh, Yeah, but it's Turning incest into wincest. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, so Shashank says Marty's bringing up incest again. First off, I don't bring up. I bring up incest because it keeps coming up in the media we're consuming. If if you have to justify bringing up incest too much, maybe you're just bringing incest up too much. That's just yeah. You know. Tell us like like the Martin. Like it's yeah, all it's about like Sister Kissing. <laughs> Kissing. Yeah. We, we, we gotta do Marty's incest hour. We're not doing Marty's incest. <laughs> I am busy that day. I'm sick that day. Um, it also, it also, even from that uh, early shot that you were talking about of uh, the dragon flying over King's Landing, mirroring what happened at the bells, it showed that that was normal at the time. Like people weren't like, "Holy shit, that's a dragon!" It was just like a plane going overhead. Um, you know, in the dragon pit, which was that those those ruins that we saw in the final season where they had their little their 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 two meetings uh, are used <laughs> as actual dragon pits like we yeah. see them land there. And there's like the, the sort of the dragon tamers who try to get the dragons into the things. There's the dragons have saddles. They have different colors like, um, you know, this was a time where there's I think there's gonna be like a dozen dragons on the show. Twenty five yeah. is the total I've heard in, in yeah. kind of rumored. Um, yeah, especially yeah. at back at Dragonstone, which we spent and so much time for in the original series. Like this place is just gonna be lousy with dragons. Yeah, and I'm really great that they're not dragging their feet and introducing that. 
Matt, Matt Smith's dragon looks scary as shit. <laughs> yeah, did look very big and, and very, uh, very intimidating. Also, was that was that Sonoya uh, Mizuno, his like mistress, who walked yes, up to him with yes, that dragon? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, from like devs and uh, and from devs Ex and like Ex Machina Annihilation. Okay. Um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, weird. And again, yeah. she she plays a more prominent role as the show goes on. But part of me is like, yeah, that's a. She was lead in her own show a couple of years ago. This is a very odd move. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm curious, too, with, like, I'm, I'm again, you don't need to answer this. Uh, I'm curious of when we know this time jump is going to happen at some point this season. You know, when is it going to happen? Because, like, I do really, I really like the uh, uh, Millie, is it Millie Alcock? Alcock and yeah. Emily Carey. Those are the yeah, yeah, and I really, I really like their performances so far. But, um, you know, I, I imagine if you're going to jump, a decade plus in time that recasting kind of makes sense. Um, but I, uh, I also got a little bit of vibe between the two of them that they had a relationship. Yeah. I, I mean, I guys got I, that at all again. Like this is one of the interesting things where you read about it. And again, like this is one of the things where I think that is it's uh Sapochnik, the director. Um, yeah. Miguel Sapochnik. Yeah. Sapochnik, but Sapochnik apologies uh, where he's talked about how, like, as they were developing the story, as they were developing the show, it came to be more about kind of uh, Alicent um, and Rhaenyra okay. than it did about the other characters. And they kind of become the center of gravity around which yeah, the show orbits. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of, and again, this is all in, in interviews and pre-release material. I am not spoiling <laughs> anything of what I may or may not have seen. But oh, it, it's yeah, in much, trailers, you can see very much even. Um, it's the two of them playing off yeah. one another. And again, and again, like, again, they've talked about how if you're talking about the legacy of Daenerys in in Westeros, and if you're talking about like a show that begins like Game of Thrones opening scene is the others or the the White Walkers attacking north of the wall and therefore establishing or setting up something that's going to pay off down the line and be like the core motif of the show, the yeah. original sin, as it were, the fact that like Westeros can't get its act together and deal with this problem. Yeah, um, the, it's telling that the original sin of this show is the passing over of is it Rennes? Is that her name? The Eve Best character? Yeah, in the like, prologue, in like the yeah, yeah. A woman would not sit on the Iron Throne. I think is the monologue that you hear from Emma Darcy. Um, so it does feel like if you're going to tell that story, then your centers of gravity are probably going to be these two women whose arcs unfold in parallel. You know, yeah. where you have like uh, Rhaenyra who like wants to be or wants to be heir, expects to be heir and all this sort of stuff. And you have, on the other hand, you have Alicent who does what her father tells her to do, <laughs> even when it's like sleep with a man who is old enough to be your grandfather, sleep with your best friend's dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you kind of have this juxtaposition of like, again, and again, a nice kind of paralleling of character arcs there, which kind of sets a ball in motion that I hope pays off down the line. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing my words very carefully. Yeah. My, uh, no, I... Uh, yeah, completely. My, my favorite part of the episodes, weirdly, um, is the uh, right at the end when they're down in the. Uh, oh, I was again another name. They're big down by the big dragon skull. The catacombs. The yeah, catacombs. The catacombs. Yeah, yeah, the catacombs. And he's, yeah. And he's giving like the rundown of like the importance of uh, the Targaryen family line and how they're supposed to bring everybody together, mm -hmm. and alluding to what happens in Game of Thrones. Uh, I got chills. Yeah, talking got, about like just the way that was written. I got chills from that. Yeah, talking about how the Song of Ice and Fire was like a dream and a prophecy passed down from from, yeah. you know, only king to king. Yeah. And the fact that, again, it's something that looks very explicitly like it does in Game of Thrones, the giant dragon skull, because even the Iron yeah. Throne here looks different with its little barbed wire slash pigeon slash yeah. defenses things going it on. It looks more that's, like that's the original. That's what Martin wrote. Like there's a yeah. there's a draw, an official drawing of the throne. And it's this like 
terrifying monolith yeah. that like no one should sit on which no one should sit on this throne because everyone's getting their ass stabbed by it for anybody to sit <laughs> he's gonna clearly die because yeah. of a back wound from sitting yeah, like, on this I mean, the throne metaphors and symbolism like it's almost yeah. as if the iron throne is cursed and nobody should sit on it as, only as, we had a dragon says, to melt it down in anger yeah, as, as Nick says mind. like you you have Patty Considine deliver the line it's the most dangerous like object in the realm because it will give you sepsis yeah, um, oh, yeah. my favorite comment I was read on Reddit was like man I wonder how many people have just like accidentally tripped and fallen and stabbed themselves to death. and just yeah <laughs> That can't be good for anyone. Yeah. Um, you have a rotation. But, Does everybody go to take a break for five minutes while they just clean it up? It's like a usual, gotta get yeah. the mop and bucket again. Yeah. yeah. Yep, there was no uh, floor is wet sign. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, but even that, yeah, that scene you're talking about when he's like finally telling her that he's choosing her as the heir um, and, and talking to her about the, the song of ice and fire and the prophecy and everything. Um, he's the whole time he's doing it. He's like. His, his hands keep going to that cat's paw dagger and that that is the dagger right that's yeah. the dagger that Arya gets that she yeah. uses to kill the night king and yeah. so it's interesting that like as he's telling the story he's literally holding the object that will ultimately end the conflict he's talking about um not through the hands of a targaryen but through the hands of a hands of a stark but also um, the irony of the fact that like what he's talking about won't unfold the way that he thinks it does, which I think is like one of the great things I love about Game of Thrones is the idea of deconstructing the fantasy trope where like yeah. the prophecy, like the prince who nothing. is foretold and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it, it means nothing and it means everything. You can apply it retroactively to fit the events or whatever. Yeah. But like, so the idea he has this vision in his head of how it's going to go. Like, I don't imagine he imagines his family being like brutally murdered and like his last surviving relatives forced into exile in Pentos. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, so it's kind of interesting. And he, I, I, I imagine he doesn't imagine, you know, his great, 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 great granddaughter, like torching King's Landing yeah. and burning the Red Keep. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of like you have that wonderful, like dissonance and dramatic tension, I think, between like what the Sarah's imagines he's doing. And again, it's that tension that you have. You mentioned the scene with the childbirth as well. Like, that's the thing that I, I really love about Viserys and about like Paddy Considine and the way in which he plays the role, the way in which the role is written, where like he does love his wife. He clearly mm. does. He loves his family very much. But he's also like when the choice has to be made, he hymns and haws for about like 10 seconds. And he's like, no, I know the choice that needs to be made. And you have the moment where it's like, I love you. And then cut her open as well. Whereas there's this, there's this dissonance between the way in which he sees himself and the way in which he is. And yeah. I think that's kind of fascinating. That's a really great contradiction for a character. And I think it's really fascinating and a good note for the show. Yeah. So I like that kind of irony. That's one of my favorite yeah. things about like Game of Thrones as a universe is like the, the prophecy is like everybody tries to follow it and then they pervert yeah. it into their own. And it's like, it's such a good, like, allegory for religion in today's world where it's oh like yeah we're following absolutely. things yeah. by the book and then we we uh pervert it and and take it into our own like i have to do this no you really don't <laughs> yeah change yeah anything. yeah <laughs> um be nice if star wars went that way at some point <laughs> I mean, what, yeah what is the force and the prophecy i mean that's yeah. I, I i i i don't imagine any point after 2017 star wars is going to do that for a very long time rest, rest in peace no. I'm, uh, we, not we mentioning have, anything by name we have yeah. uh zach snyder's rebel moon to look forward to to hopefully go that part, part, one and two. part two yeah part one and part two yeah um there's one thing i'm very excited about going forward do we get to meet this scary man named the crab feeder <laughs> You can give me a non-verbal. I, I want to meet a man named the Crab Feeder because I feel like he's feeding people to crabs, which I think is cool. As someone who loves the Dark Tower, I think uh, fucking crabs eating people is great. You 
might very well think that, but I couldn't possibly comment. Crab feeder. Yeah. Is the loathsome dung eater in the show? Oh my god! No, no, the loathsome dung eater is not in the show. <laughs> <Dang God. laughs> I can categorically rule that one out. But yeah. Okay, okay. So this does. Hey, listen, we anyone from Elden Ring could appear in this. This was George R. R. Martin written, so who knows? This could be a multiverse show. <laughs> this probably won't be a multiverse show, guys. What if, yeah, I'm, what I'm if House for the, of the Revelation is actually a tease for an Elden Ring show? Be great. Yeah, I'm, like I'm, the succession I'm is a Lord of the sorry, is a House of the Dragon like long sequel show, like kind of like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's how you tie it all together. Yeah, maybe. perfect. Uh, do we know? Is this going to be a ten episode season? Do we know? Yes. Do you know? This is yeah. ten episodes. Okay, good. Um, I mean, that's I guess pretty pretty standard for for HBO, but um, was just curious. Um, $200 million, $20 million per episode, uh, which is still cheaper than Stranger <gasps> Things Part 3, and obviously wow. far, far cheaper than, uh, like, the Rings of Power. Did you watch the Rings of Power trailer from today? I did. did oh, you guys? There's a new tra- I did not. I a new trailer was this morning. I convinced yeah. them to give me screeners, um, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, you have to go to one of your weird screenings. There's, like, fan screenings for the first two episodes. The visuals of the show look incredible, but I, their music choice in the trailers has been awful every time, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was like a Billie Eilish song yeah, or something, right? It's, or it's like, like some you have Bear, down pop song. You literally song. have Bear McCreary, nah. who did the God of War soundtrack, and Walking Dead, and all these shows, doing the music, and why away, do you keep yeah. putting fucking licensed bullshit Oh, in, in now, now I want to see the, the Sauron trailer that's set to bad guy. Like that's obviously <laughs> oh. a Sauron centric trailer set to bad guy. I, but I Listen, we had any we had Enya and the other the other Lord of the Rings yeah. movies and, yeah. and then Annie Lennox if I remember. Annie Lennox, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, did yeah. she not win an Oscar or was she performed at the Oscars for it? I think. But yeah, Annie Lennox was there yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the quickest way to make your epic fantasy show not feel epic is putting licensed music on it. Hey, 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 Snoop Dogg contributed to the season five mixtape for Game of Thrones, I discovered today. Uh, you should read his interview about it because he talks about how great Game of Thrones is because it shows how things really were back then. Oh, <laughs> how high was he when he had that? <laughs> Medium high. I just watched Snoop Dogg in the day shift. A vampire hunting movie. Is that any You've not found time to watch oh. that, surprisingly. Should I? Be honest, guys. Are- it's not good. No, it's not. No, it's okay. So you wouldn't stake your reputation on it. I would not. St- I see what you uh, did there. That was a vampire goof. We caught it. Then, <laughs> I think I, I probably like, I've probably I like missed a couple of them throughout we the episode. Chat, chat's been yeah. posting us that we were missing some <laughs> of those jokes. <laughs> we need like a live <laughs> ding ding, like a little like, yeah. I get a little bell for myself. No, it's subtle. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's the that's the that's the pun that cuts the deepest. We're gonna get you a little bell like Hector Salamanca, and you could just tap <laughs> ding, it every ding, time ding, you make a every time you make a pun. Actually, you just blow up from over punning yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, any, uh, any, any final thoughts on, uh, House of the Dragon? I'm just this, looking, this I'm just episode. looking forward to more, like, I, I, you know, my, my new basement with my cinema setup, and I was like, I'm, I'm all in on this, <laughs> give me more. Yeah, no, it looks stunning, like, again, yeah. watching it on, on a TV, like, with a proper setup, surround sound, it is, like, part of me feels a bit like you talk about martin being involved in this right and there's a real kind of almost passive kind of like not passive aggressive that's not fair but like kind of like martin looking at like game of thrones and looking in particular at the early as you said cheap seasons of game of thrones where they only cost like six million dollars an episode instead of 20 and going well why couldn't we do that back then what if we got a chance to redo that on the kind of budget that hbo is giving me now so for example this episode has a tourney in it 
the yeah. first season of Game of Thrones also has a tourney in it. Those and are very different very tourneys. Much, yeah, that's exactly. You can very much tell that like Martin, yeah. who's like now like co-creator and like, you know, not showrunner, but whispering in the writer's ears and stuff is like, yeah, but what if we did what we did in the first season, but do it bigger? Like, yeah. I can't mention one thing specifically, but there's an entire episode that is built around like George Orr Martin's biggest fan nerd complaint about the first season of like Game of Thrones. Uh, it's they like, didn't have enough crab feeders. <laughs> that, that was it. The budget wouldn't stretch to crab feeders. That was unfortunately the problem. Crab feeding was yeah. very hard to do 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, on a HBO budget, you know, like yeah, you got yeah. a crab wrangle, you know. Uh, they, they, the thing, thing about thing about those animals is that they're very temperamental. They could be quite crabby. It's right. In, it's right in their name. So yeah, I get it. Going back to bed. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to 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 spot what you're talking about. How many? Can you say how many episodes you've gotten to watch? Uh, six. Have you watched them all? Uh, no, I've, I've only seen the first six. Oh, okay. Are they going to send you screeners for the rest of them? Or are you going to have to become a common have- folk? I have no idea. Uh, I basically had to submit to like a colonoscopy to get them, um, which was quite interesting. It's like, <laughs> you're not a real critic. And I'm like, I'm not a real critic. You're playing on my insecurities here. <laughs> hey, I have imposter syndrome. Which YouTube comment did you read? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who have you been following on Twitter? Um, <laughs> hey, no, I, 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 listen, I, I, you, I get, a, you get screeners. You're a much bigger deal in Ireland than Nick and I are in America. No one gives a shit about Nick and I in America. But in Ireland, you're a national treasure. I don't know about that. <laughs> I maybe wouldn't use the term national treasure when it's most associated with like Jimmy Savile in the UK. Um. <laughs> Only if you find Nicolas Cage out there somewhere. <laughs> that's fair that's a much better association to the u.s market yeah that, i guess that is true yeah yeah there you go that works they're doing a uh, spinoff without him which is odd like they're like yeah what's i can't imagine uh, nicholas cage like would turn down the money to do it like that's the thing it's like let's bring back justin bartha the kids love Justin. everyone loves justin bartha you remember the hangover remember the guy who's not in the hangover everyone loves that guy yeah. Dis- you've seen geely right disney knows yeah. everybody wants <laughs> Yeah. Maybe he's finally. Maybe after the unbearable weight of massive talent, he's like had a moment of he had like a come to God moment where he's like, uh, you know, I, I'm 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 worth more than this. I don't want to be a punchline anymore, except in this movie where I'm clearly the punchline. <laughs> still, like, isn't watched. the joke that he was like the third choice after like Daniel Day Lewis and somebody else? Isn't that the joke about like the unbearable weight of massive talent? <laughs> yeah, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I, I still have a copy of the pig. I haven't watched it yet. Pig's really good. Pig, I really like pig. I really like pig. Yeah. Really yeah. like pig. Um, it's yeah. re- it's 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 like really nice because it, you think it's one thing and then it becomes something else entirely, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, yeah. I love when I'm watching something and halfway through I'm like, oh, this isn't this is what I thought it was going to be. I wasn't surprised. But it's still good. Yeah, but it's still good. It's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's uh. Let's let's wrap this week up. Uh. Every week uh, before we get to your super chats and and donations, which we appreciate. Uh. We're gonna let's let's maybe give a give a recommendation. Something folks should. Uh, have you guys watched anything lately? Any movies? Any TV series? Any read read anything that you would uh, you would recommend folks checking out? Uh, I haven't started it yet, but I did not realize that HBO picked up Warriors, which is the that Bruce Lee inspired show. Uh, oh yeah, the first, the first two seasons were on Cinemax, and I think they I don't know how long ago they brought it to HBO, but it's on HBO now. The first two seasons, and they just talked about season three. So that's nice. that's on my list to start. Uh, I'm I'm working my way through the Sandman. It's 
kind of hard to that show's a little hard to follow getting getting going but i'm, I'm getting there like i'm, I'm if, you haven't, if you haven't read the com do you think if you haven't read the comics it could be it could be a little tough uh not not really it's just like i don't know it's just kind of a it's a slow burn those first two episodes it's I really a like streaming the first, series it's yeah i really it's like the streaming first it's very much a streaming series yeah i really like the first episode the second episode like I, it was interesting but there's a lot going on and i'm like eh. <laughs> but we're, we're getting there but yeah War, nice. warrior warriors is my my next show to start up uh darren anything anything uh, recently yeah so i mean um obviously in terms of recommendations the sandman the actual comic book the new gaming comic book which was usually kind of formative for me growing up um and uh, because the passing of William Peterson, the the German film director, I rewatched mm-hmm. in the Line of Fire uh, recently. Oh, so good! It's a stone gold masterpiece. It's a movie that, yeah. like, in my mind, I always assumed Clint Eastwood directed because it's a movie about how Clint Eastwood is old and an icon of Americana and hooking mm-hmm. up with a woman who's young enough to be his granddaughter. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a Clint Eastwood movie, right? Yeah, I know yeah. it's a William Peterson movie, and it's just it's it's beautiful. It's it's perfect. Like it's it's one of those great like 90s thrillers. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking that out. And also Air Force One, which is like one of those great mid 90s blockbusters where it's like nobody's going to call us on the premise. Nobody's going to question the premise, right? It's like one of those movies that feels like it comes right before the internet because it's like if you enhance the premise of Air Force One on the internet, your executive calls you into a meeting and it's like, okay, we're being retooled. Uh, This is not happening. Not going to work. Not going to work. Harrison Ford is the US president in a diehard movie on an airplane. It's like you can drop you can do two of those things but not all three simultaneously so yeah i would wholeheartedly recommend that perfect um i don't know if i'd recommend this but when we were talking about movies that halfway through i'm like ooh, i didn't think this is what it was gonna be about uh they made a sequel to orphan y'all remember yeah. orphan they did yes. they made a sequel to it so they just a sequel ten just years later out. yeah the, the actor was 22 years old playing yeah. oh it's a, a prequel not a sequel and- Yes, yeah, prequel. prequel. Sorry. Yeah, she's twenty-two years old, reprising the role that she played ten years ago when she was twelve. Oh. Yeah, and that's and not so, the strangest thing about this. <laughs> so the original movie is about uh, a family who uh, adopts this girl from an orphanage, like a, a Russian girl. Who uh, it turns out the, the twist in the original movie is she's not a girl; she's a full-grown woman with some kind of dwarfism and also a serial killer. Um, so they made a prequel about like what was she doing before this. And I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. And then Julia Stiles adopts her. I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. And then a twist happens, like yeah. 35 minutes in the movie. And I'm like, this is what the movie's about. And it's great. It's it's so it's fucking stupid as hell. It's yeah. absolutely stupid. I wish I would have seen it in like a rowdy theater. Yeah. Because I think people would have lost their minds at the back half of the movie. My yeah, I, I kind of I'm not sure I recommend that either, but like yeah. that twist is amazing. My problem yeah. with that twist is that it comes an hour into an hour and forty movie. So yeah. like the last forty minutes are amazing. Like they're they're pure trash cult masterpiece yeah. kind of cinema. Very like malignant. They have the kind of like just energy. Yes. It's like yes. I didn't know what this was, but it's going for it. And it's like yeah. yes. Um, but the problem is that like getting there is very much like exactly the movie that you describe. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you think when you hear "What if Orphan" but a prequel with a twenty-two-year-old yeah. woman playing a role she played when she was twelve. Like I love the forced perspective shots in it. There's like it's 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 a fascinating movie to just watch in terms of filmmaking. But yeah, yes. that, that last that last act is amazing. I love that last act. Uh, Eve asks, "Is it incest, Marty? Is that the spoiler? It's not incest, Eve. Everything's not about incest." Only Game of Thrones and 12 Minutes are about incest. Uh, you know what movie I would not recommend? Jurassic Uh-oh. World fucking Dominion. <laughs> Why? Why would you watch this? I, I have to. I've seen all the other Jurassic Park movies, but I have never in my life 
I never in my life have I paused a movie and looked at the guy, my, my roommate and gone, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> like she literally, uh, at least Eddie Sedler in the movie brings up the line, slid into my DMS and I'm like, why, <laughs> why would you, this is so dumb. And like the, the whole first, like, I, I remember watching you in the frame, Darren, and just like the whole first part of the movie is literally just sniffing its own nostalgia farts the entire movie and then like there's the action scene in the second half and i'm like this is fun which is jason Bourne, the jason Bourne scene but i was like like, yeah but i was like this is fun i mean like i I can do i can deal with this and then you guys have the third half and it's so poorly edited and i'm like what i mean the the third quarter of the movie and i'm like what the fuck is going on like it's just and then oh my god i've just i've never like even a rise of Skywalker didn't piss me off as much as that movie did. I'm like, this is just a travesty of a movie. And also Colin yeah. Terrorov, never give him a big franchise again. Don't let him touch these things. Honest, I really a- liked Safety Not Guaranteed. I like when he made a real small movie. I that, thought that didn't was nice. let him play with have small movies. Have you seen movies. Book of Henry, right? I have yeah, seen Book I of Henry. Book oh, Henry. Uh, yeah, which <laughs> yeah, okay. not maybe also, shouldn't make also, anything. Also has kind of Marty vibes, if that's what we're calling them now to us. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. But like, are you talking about George R. R. Martin or me? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are they both? No. <laughs> Too late. That's, it's stuck now. It's stuck that's now. the problem. That's the problem. That's the incest problem. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Like, no, Trevorrow, not 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 a great director. No, not a huge fan of like, his work. The um, first thing I did when I was done watching the movie is I googled how the fuck does this guy have get on Star Wars and Jurassic Park because he is awful of direct. He's awful. <laughs> well, he was Spielberg's protege. Was the thing Spielberg saw Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a perfectly solid small budget movie. I don't think yeah. it's a masterpiece, but it's like it's well. reasonably well made and it shows a lot of promise. And then he's brought on to Jurassic World, and then he uses the leverage of Jurassic World, which makes obviously all the money, to make Book of Henry. And the rumor is that like Kathleen Kennedy sees Book of Henry and it's like, it like fuck no, we, yeah. we made a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spielberg needs to get this kid the what? boot. Like my God, what what, what are the odds? What one of the ten people to see Book of Henry would be Kathleen Kennedy. What if what if that's what the Fablemans is about? Is it about it's about Spielberg's relationship with Colin Trevorrow? Well, I mean, Spielberg has this thing. And again, like Spielberg's obviously created an entire generation of young performers and young directors and like mm-hmm. a huge number of people owe their massive debt to him. Even everyone from like Drew Barrymore, for example, is just. One yeah. Of do we do we uh, have to like clarify Spielberg equals good? What's really like, it's really interesting that he and I love Spielberg, but recently in, in the like the 21st century, he's less good at that whole picking proteges thing. Because like yeah. Shia LaBeouf was very much a like a Steven Spielberg project. <laughs> like he was the one who pushed the buff for, um, you know, for Transformers and obviously Indiana Jones and then LaBeouf immediately kind of turns around and LaBeouf's him or rebuffs him I guess is how he would describe it but yes hey, he, buffed, he buffed him one way or another he's, yeah. really, he's really good and lawless <laughs> <laughs> when he gets I think LaBeouf could be a good actor but he's just no. he's also just kind of like a, a crazy dude yeah, yeah. yeah like I, I think I think LaBeouf is, is good in certain things I think he's also quite good in Fury even if maybe like the stories you hear by the scenes are like take it down several notches there Shia but is it's also the, that, as, that as Marty movie? said that's the, the tank movie yes yeah. yes it is the tank movie um, but it, movie. yeah but it, it's kind of it's like Marty says it's it's like the stuff behind the scenes where you're like this maybe just deal with that stuff 
I feel like there's always an act like now I feel like Miles Teller is that actor where it's like, yeah, you're talented, (laughs) but you weren't you. He was like super anti-vax on the set of the Godfather show and like threw a bunch of fucking wrenches in there. But he's got Tom Tom Cruise's seal of approval and he made. But I mean, Tom Cruise Cruise is also kind of like in that kind of grouping. There's always there's always one why they gravitate towards one another, perhaps. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I just like, man, I, you know, I, I think we've, we've talked before, Darren, how I'm like, you know, like I, I, you know, maybe these big franchises aren't, aren't for me or anymore, but like Jurassic World Dominion brought out a rage in me that I didn't <laughs> existed for media. I'm like, this is, I, 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 this I, is, I, I was, this is when you broke bad. Yeah. I was literally sitting there. I was like, what idiot watched this movie before it went to the public heard the script and said yeah that's good i like that that's did you do well. i, I want to know this did you buy it did you buy it in 4k a physical 4k copy and no. did you watch the extended cut with an he extra 4k bought minutes? it you're the problem nick you bought moonfall you bought moonfall you moonfall. bought this movie and you're the problem i i was i, I was just... goaded into the extended cut and the extended cut all, all right so they made a big deal about the extended cut right all they of fucking what? did moonfall no 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 jurassic world dominion all oh. they fucking did was add in that little prologue to the start of the movie that just shows dinosaurs walking around 150 million years ago. That's it. Well, that sounds nice. It's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, it is technically extended by you know, it's, 60 seconds. It's all there. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you say whoever greenlit this movie, like this movie made like $986 million at the global box office. Whoever greenlit this movie is moving to a bigger house next year. Yeah. Unfortunately. Leave them that, there. Okay, that's that's mean. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, but yes, they are moving Mars. to a bigger house. <laughs> um uh incredible uh nick do you want to go over uh you want to go over over some super chats oh, because uh darren's gotta get to a screening of bodies 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 which i'm very excited, excited to talk about next week oh, i loved it yeah, i thought it was great ready for uh, whatever yeah you guys actually have something gamescom. important to do immediately i i, I have, have like, bodies 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 <laughs> i mean pete davison we got games we got pete davison. Oh, mostly lee pace who right. just super a plus chats. himbo uh yeah. um, Rao donated two dollars says i just want to hear that irish mofo again Hello, that's me. You can hear me speak now. Um, I don't know if I sound very Irish, though. I've heard I don't sound Irish enough. You say the Um, word Irish, you sound Irish. Irish. Bigosh and Bigara. Um, Irish. (laughs) Irish. I don't sound... Do we sound Irish? I don't know if I sound Irish. Anyway, this is me. You ever see see Quiet Man? That movie's great. (laughs) (laughs) Do I sound like John Wayne in The Quiet Man? Because I'm not sure that's what an Irish person sounds like either. Um, Another recommendation for Irish people. Only Murders in the Building Season 2. Yes. Wait, is that Irish? Is there something Irish about the second season? There's something in there about Irish people, yeah. I just saw, what's his name? Paul Rudd's going to be in season three? Yep. Yeah. I like how that's quietly become like kind of like the big comedy franchise now. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we're just going to hire these actors. And they're just going to come nice. around and hang out with Steve Martin. Good for them. Yeah. Have a good time. Uh, well, Lampy donated five pounds. Says, I hope they talk about Glorious, Marty's favorite movie. Oh, Darren, have you heard about Ooh. Glorious? Oh, jeez. No. Tell this me about Glorious. Do you guys have Shudder? Oh, yes. I've been okay. meaning to watch. Yeah, if you bring up incest again, I'm shuddering yeah, you. It's a, uh, no, no, no. This movie doesn't it, it has very little incest. No incest. Uh, <laughs> but it's but very no, it's good movie, regardless, no, Marty. Yeah. Minimal amount of it. The movie, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's That's mostly, why it's only four stars. Um, it's mostly a, a oneer with that. Uh, I think his name's Ryan Katwan, who was in uh, True Blood. He played Sookie Stackhouse's brother, Jason Stackhouse. 
He uh, wakes up with a hangover outside a rest stop bathroom, throws up in the rest stop bathroom, and then hears a voice emanating from the stall next door, the voice of J.K. Simmons. And it turns out J.K. Simmons voices a Lovecraftian old god, and uh, he can't escape the bathroom. And so the movie's pretty much just the two of them in that bathroom, and there's a glory hole. That's why it's called Glorious. So. <laughs> okay, well, I, I kind of don't want to go to the bodies, bodies, bodies screening anymore, so you've sold me on it. It's also like um, 80 minutes, which is great. Oh, you just watch, watch it on the way to the screening. Did either of you watch uh, Amazon's Night Sky? That's uh, the one that's... Uh, this, Night that's Sky, what J.K. Simmons, right? I, he, yes. It's not yeah, Outer it's like Ranch. Outer Ranch. Ranch is the one with Josh Brolin, right? Uh, out, yeah, out, yeah, out, yeah, there's Outer, Outer Range. Range. Outer Range. Outer Range. Oh, <laughs> Night Skies is the movie. Night Skies is the movie, right? Where they're like they're kind of running around and stuff in the in the night. No, that's the vast of night. That's a vast. Yeah, oh, sorry, nice so many nights. So many movies. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you're talking about the Amazon show with J.K. Simmons. Yes, Night Sky, sci-fi show. Okay. Yeah, and it, it didn't it didn't get renewed for season two. Well, but apparently, yeah, it's really called good. the Night Sky. Apparently, yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, Lampy. And title. sissy and sissy Spacek. Uh, Lampy donated two pounds. Says uh, no net. Start daring with Persona Five Royal, Marty. Oh, we were talking for about games. a safety net for games. Oh, oh, no net. Oh, well, let's just throw him on uh, Elden Ring then. <laughs> no, we have, <laughs> we have The Last of Us. You can play it on super easy mode. It'll be fine. Like, I, that's how <laughs> that's how I play games. Anyways, it's fine. Well, we have to. We there, have to, we have to do, mind, people have to watch this. That's the thing. Like, I, I'm willing gonna, to do whatever, but people need to watch they this. Like, will it, enjoy it, watching you fail. Trust me. I know uh, they watch. They watch me for eight hours fight one boss. I have I have no dignity. I have just been told by HBO I'm not a real film critic. Um, okay. I I'm willing to go with it. So it's I, great. Whatever well, works. I for think people. the real thing we need to do is make sure that you can get through the Cuphead tutorial, and then we'll go from there. Okay. I, I also, level up. It's like yeah. Also, really quick, Casey in the chat just said Jesse and I played a game surprisingly close to the bathroom premise for Hidden Gems. Okay, now I'm excited for this Glory oh, game that okay. you guys played. Yeah, it was that game right. they just played a couple weeks ago. Uh, I forget what it was called. Is there something in pop Twi- culture Twi- about uh, glory holes and yeah. yeah, this is like the deep impact Armageddon thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like why are glory holes so big right now? There's an in the frame video waiting to happen alongside my spitting. It's the new cultural trend pitch, <laughs> which I'm sure Nick will greenlight at some point. David Bateman has been remembered for 13 months in a row on bonus content. So, so, since this is the recap, I expect Nick to remove his cat and put it back on. Also, hi Darren, I quite enjoy your work. That is a good recap joke. That's we'll a, be that's honest. That is a good joke. Look at that. A little tip of the cap. Yeah. Or a raise of the cap. Raise of the cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pain causing samurai <laughs> donated five Canadian dollars through Super Chat. It says a Game of Thrones YouTuber is organizing fans to write their own version of the next book. The goal is one chapter per month. Three out so far and it's surprisingly good. Like a different fan is oh, is it like a round robin? Is it like that a thing where it's like that's kind of amazing? It's like, and you don't share any details. You just like end on a cliffhanger, and you're like, deal. Oh, yeah, you're like, oh, you got to pick up the pieces. I kind of <laughs> love that actually. Yeah. Uh, Jack the Saint has become a member in early access thanks to your support. Eve Daly, Jack Saint, check out my Saints Row uh, review. Yeah. Uh, Eve Daly donated two euros. Says, would Darren be into playing the new Expanse game? Yeah, oh, like, like Telltale. Games. Yeah, we're gonna be seeing some of that in in our next stream. Uh, so Telltale, you know about Telltale games? Yeah, uh, they're the movie esque ones, right? They're the yeah, ones like, like they made the big, like, the really like big novels. Walking Dead one and a Batman yeah. one, and, and they did a Game of Thrones ones. Well, game of Thrones, like yeah. Uh, they announced they're doing one on uh, the Expanse, mm-hmm. and it's following uh, what's her name, the 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 uh, Belta. Dr- drummer, drummer, yeah. 
Um, and so I think we're seeing with her like, voice the first too. Yeah, yeah. They actually, actually, actually hired. Yeah. They actually hired. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be seeing some of that soon. Those would be games you could play. You just gotta take a choice. Those, those, those seem quite more within my skill set. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Part of me is also like part of the fun of it will be watching Darren run into walls, but part of me is also like, yeah, we should do things in my skill set, but we'll figure it out. Uh, Michael Brumman donated. We should make him play a Quantic Dream game then. Michael Brumman donated two dollars. Says, "Love your writing, Darren. For all mankind analysis, p- please." I have been very slowly working my way through uh, for all mankind. The problem is that it's one of those things where everything kind of just gets dropped on me, so everything gets pushed back. Um, I haven't watched so any of the season yet. I, 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 still I, I season enjoyed one. season one and two. Yeah, yeah, and I like the cast. And obviously, I love yeah. more. More is like one of my favorite television writers. So sure. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where like when I get time, I will do it. It's like again, it's like rewatching Game of Thrones. It's one of the things where like if I get time. Uh, but instead, somebody will be like, "No, here have the entire season of like Star Trek Lower Decks." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess it's I not like yeah, it's not like there's a massive glut of of nerd TV <laughs> right now." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is on the list for me to get to certainly, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to it. Kragotron mm-hmm. has become a member of bonus content. Thanks for your Welcome support, Kragotron. Uh, but but in space though, Daniel five dollars says I'll always be mad. Jurassic World Two wasn't called Jurassic World Extinction Event. What's the point of the big volcano imagery then? What, what what was that movie? What was that's the second Fallen Kingdom? Fallen, yeah. Yeah. Fallen Kingdom, which is a movie I have a I'm gonna raise my hand and say I have a little bit of affection for. I think likes it I too. Also, I also like it. You're both the problem. <laughs> hold on. Okay, okay, hold on a sec. It's like it's just okay. like the new sequel trilogy for Star Wars. Like I don't really like any of them, but I kind of like the Last Jedi. I don't. The Last really, Jedi is a masterpiece. I don't really like the. Le- I, whatever. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that, that name a, on the that podcast? Ryan Johnson's Are fault. we allowed to say that out loud? Um, <laughs> I'll say that out loud all day. I love Ryan Johnson. I love every single one of his movies. Looper's kind of dumb. Glass Onion. I love Brick and Brothers Glass Blue. Onion. Anyway, I like Glass Onion. We're getting Glass Fallen, Onion soon. Fallen, Fallen, like the entire story, everything about the Jurassic World trilogy is fucking terrible. I just like the horror, like the the visuals of Fallen Kingdom. Story be damned. All that. Stupid it, stuff. Yeah, it's Bayona. Isn't it Jay Bayona? Yeah. Is the guy who directed it. Yeah, She's yeah. done like the Impossible and stuff and like also, that. Like, Are you doing like, a Star Wars even, thing now? Even in uh, everybody's doing a Star Wars <laughs> thing now. Even in a uh, Jurassic World Dominion, like there's some great cinematic shots in there. Like the the scene uh, with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard when she's in the in the woods after she paratroops out of the plane. Oh, and, and she's gonna have to yeah, call in something like like the Apocalypse Now reference. Yeah, there's some, there's some great ideas in there. They just don't go anywhere with it. And also, what if we just watch Apocalypse Now instead? I bet we could. Yeah, it's got a 4K copy of it. You got a whole Redux. Uh, Wait, I'm about to say like which version of it because there's like several of them. I'm working my way slowly through like the five hour work print that is on YouTube. Yeah. Oh my god, like, I've seen yeah. all the other three but, versions. Yeah, um, yeah. but but like. like Jurassic it, World Dominion did like the same thing that Rise of Skywalker did for me. It made me appreciate everything else a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> what in what I will say in defense of like Fallen Kingdom is that it's the first, it's the only real Jurassic Park World movie that feels like it does more than just do the first one again but bigger. So it's like okay, what if it's a natural disaster movie and what if it's a haunted house movie? Oh, like, I was about a gothic horror movie against uh, rich people. Yeah, yeah. They do like Nosferatu but with dinosaurs, yeah. and it's like this is stupid. This is very stupid. It is not very good, but at least. It is different from the other like three bad sequels that this thing has produced and yeah. The Lost World, which I like. Yeah, um, yeah. I at least had fun with Fallen Kingdom, like where, you know, the Jurassic World was literally, Darren just said, a bigger Jurassic Park. And I was like, eh. 
but whatever. The same again, but without any of the wonder, awe, and majesty. Yeah, it was... Just watch Line Before Time. What, what, what was it? Feeding uh, nostalgia at a trough or whatever you said, Darren? That's my favorite. <laughs> the one, yeah, the one where I just tweeted, I tweeted that out and you were like, no, it, was, it, was a, like it was a title of one of the Pigs at a nostalgia trough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I, t- I just randomly tweeted it and you were like, make that a video or make that a thing. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like, that was like snakes on a plane. We're like, all right, green light it. It's fine. Yeah, that's it's green light. Yeah, yeah. Just waiting for the right company. Like Star Wars or Marvel or something like that. It's just like yeah. bringing it Pigs at a nostalgia trough. Yeah. 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 Um, SVS Guru 2000 with the last super chat says for five years says, Will Darren ever review a game? It's part of our plan for the recap podcast. So, well, I mean, he's not going to do like a 3MR. I, I also right? don't think I'm going to review it because I'm not qualified to review it. To be yeah, honest. but I mean, well, um, we'll get, I'm going we'll to enjoy it and talk about it. it. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. I am not positioning myself as anybody who has any knowledge or awareness or context of it. Yeah. So when I say something stupid, I'm going to back out and say, oh, I'm an idiot. You can't judge me. Well, I, I think, I think it'd be great HBO to run said, through The HBO. Last of Us before The Last of Us series next year. Okay. HBO. When is The Last of Us arriving on HBO? When's it due? Uh, they said next year. Yeah. So not okay, this year. Uh, I imagine winter, spring. Okay, so let me know what I need to do, and I'll set stuff up, and we'll figure it out. Uh, also, as H- you're like, HBO, quickly, what is a PlayStation? <laughs> HBO just clarified yeah. that you are not a film critic, so your next step is to be a game critic, <laughs> failure like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that eventually they're just going to tell me I'm not really a game critic either. It's like, That's also, it. you're not a theater critic. And I'm like, well, I wasn't trying, but thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't even think you're a human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just this in- online persona guy. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Lampy with the last donation, because we got to go. Uh, five pounds says, don't forget to get a chicken Big Mac when you watch a movie, Marty. Do you guys have chicken Big Macs in, in Ireland? Apparently no. in the UK, it's become a big thing. So McDonald's has a Big Mac, but it's with chicken patties yeah. instead of no. beef. And it was so big in the UK that like sold out. There were lines around the block. And big news, that's coming to the States. So Jack and I are very excited. Okay, so like this is going to be like a Rick and Morty episode in five years is going to revive this trend and make yeah. life with a nail for McDonald's people, right? Um, I get the chef one sauce. Yeah, no, we, we, I don't believe that's a thing over here. We have our yeah. own kind of like super max, which is like the Irish equivalent to McDonald's. And that's very chicken heavy. So maybe okay. they didn't feel they could compete in the space. Um, chicken and potatoes. It's a very, very stereotypically Irish restaurant. <laughs> there are like, when you go out West, there are like five super max for every person. Um, yeah. They're more common than post yeah, offices. We got to wrap up. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, sorry. <chicken. laughs> and Henry, oh. 14, three, five, six, the last donation, $2 says thank you. You're welcome. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Okay, we are wrapping up. This was episode one of the recap. We'll be back every Tuesday. Uh, And like we said, we'll be we'll be rotating folks in and out. But we're gonna be back. Yeah, talking about more House of the Dragon, talking about She-Hulk, talking about Andor, talking about Rings of Power, talking about the movies we've seen. It's gonna be very exciting. Uh, Darren, where can people find you and what can folks check out? Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, online at Darren underscore Mooney on Twitter. Come talk to me about movies, about random stuff, about anything. Uh, obviously, I'm at the regular escapist site where I do like uh, two articles a week. And then I do recaps as well for things like She-Hulk, uh, things like uh, The House of the Dragon. I'm hoping to do Lower Decks as well. Mm-hmm. If Amazon consider me a real critic, maybe Rings of Power too. Um, and also you can, I do a, a bunch of other stuff as well. But just Google me and my name comes up. I'm, I'm ubiquitous. I'm everywhere you want to be, baby. Yeah, check uh, out your latest <laughs> In the Frame is now available to everyone on uh, the whole, yeah. the, the Batgirl uh, debacle yeah uh and, and shout out to omar for the edit on that but omar basically a co-writer on, on on that and it's amazing work um so yes One of my I'll favorite recommend that. yeah um Incredible yeah i stuff. kind of I, I i joke that omar does the hard work and i do everything else that's basically in the frame no but it's it's really great uh, i hope yeah. you enjoyed it 
Heck yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then we'll be back. Uh, Nick and I will be back in about 15, 15 minutes or so uh, with uh, with our Gamescom live stream. Jamate will be joining us. So, uh, yeah, tune back in 15 minutes from now. We're going to be back with uh, Gamescom live. Let me let me pop the link in there. Bloop. Um, oh, no, I fucked everything up. I fucked everything up. There it is. I didn't fuck it up. Um, so for Nick and Darren, this is Marty. This is the recap episode one. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and for supporting us. And we'll see you all next week slash in 10 minutes. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.